Hello, and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Basca, and today we remember the life of one who died on November 8th, 2020, when America lost a beloved Canadian-American television personality who hosted 37 seasons of Jeopardy. I'm speaking, of course, of Alex Trebek. I'm happy to welcome Emily Husino, a former Jeopardy champion and classics professor who remembers her time on Jeopardy fondly and shares with us her memories of Alex Trebek. So I wanted to know a little bit about how you experienced the whole process of getting onto Jeopardy. So I actually auditioned twice. Really? And it was when I was living in Chicago. And both times I did the online test and I had passed whatever hurdle there was for the online test and got invited to an audition. The auditions worked roughly the same way, although a little differently the two times I went. But roughly, you have to take another test. And then they have everyone just sort of play a few questions. Like, they'll just bring people up, three people up, and you'll do a few questions, and they'll bring another few people up. And then they'll interview all of you. They'll ask you, like, what would you do if you won? And when you're done, they'll tell you, okay, you're going into our contested pool for 18 months. Um, but there's no guarantee you'll get called or anything. The first time, I never got called to be on the show. And I was admittedly, I think, kind of awkward at my interview because I didn't really know quite what to say. <laughs> uh, so when I went back for the second audition, I actually had something really concrete, like what would you do if you went one to answer? And I think that helped. So that would have been in the spring. Funny enough, at the audition, they take everyone's picture via Polaroid. Really? And yeah, and then they would staple it to your like file. Like they had, Ooh. It was right around the time Polaroid had like announced it was disappearing. And they were like hoarding all of the Polaroid film. <laughs> so I got called pretty quickly. I got a call a couple months later. I was at Latin Academy when the call came in. Oh my goodness. That I, they wanted me on the show. I ended up going out to LA like just a couple weeks after Academy was over to play. Yeah, the audition process wasn't bad for me, um, but partly because I lived in Chicago. And so that's where the auditions were being held. But there were people at my auditions who were coming from you know, Iowa, Missouri. To audition, I was lucky because I just caught the bus downtown. Like, it was like an afternoon for me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas other people, like, it was a real, like, trip for them. They were having to get hotel rooms and whatever just to do the audition. So I got really lucky because of where I was living meant that I didn't have to, it didn't cost me anything really other than bus fare um, to audition. Yeah, that was quite lucky. Yeah. So that was, that was my audition experience. The first audition, I actually was in the room with someone I'd gone to college with. Really? Didn't realize it because he was sitting behind me. And then I heard them say his name and I was like, wait, what? And he he ended up being on the show that season. And I think he won one day. Yeah, it was very random to run into him there. It's so unusual, though, when I think about all the people that I know who are Latin teachers and who are teachers in general that we know who went to our university or are part of our circle who have been on the show. Yeah. It's a little startling when you look at the numbers. Yeah. The number of Latin teachers I know who've been on, just Latin teachers I know who've been on. Yeah. Yeah. But since, since it's not going to be on camera, but this is what the kids at Latin Academy need for me. At the end of Academy, they made me this like poster, this good luck poster. 
That's beautiful. Okay. So for our <laughs> listeners, hold it up so I can, I can read it out loud. So for our listeners, it says in spectaculo periculum brevi tempora princeps erit. So she will be. <laughs> and uh, so if any of them were out there from like the 2010 Latin Academy, know that I still have this. And you can attest to it, it was literally sitting right here next to my desk. <laughs> now tell me, <laughs> Emily. Why it is that Latin teachers would be uniquely fantastic at Jeopardy? I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> well, don't you think Kirtaman helps? We tend to be a smart bunch, but see, that's a thing is you would think that, but a lot of the ones I know who've been on Jeopardy were not Kirtaman players. Mm-hmm. And Kirtaman can actually work against you. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things in Kirtaman that you've got to be good at is fast, right? You've got to be able to anticipate the direction the question is going, and be willing to take the gamble to go in early. On Jeopardy, you go in early, you get locked out. Mm-hmm. And not forever, but you get locked out for a few seconds. And that might be all it takes. If you're just a little too much, a little too early on the hair trigger, you'll get locked out. And I would I would dare say the reason that I did not win more than once was because it was actually a derivatives category. And I went in just a tad too fast and got locked out. And then, but you know, someone else was able to get in. And then like the next question of that category would double. I mean, it would have made all sorts of difference, but I actually think her comment can actually work against you. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd heard that I'd heard that from other people as well, but I don't think that everybody necessarily would assume that doing an activity like Kirtaman, where you're constantly testing your own knowledge through questions around trivia and so on and so forth and being involved in those kinds of competitions wouldn't prepare you very well. I mean, I don't say, I don't think it doesn't, but there's one aspect of Kirtaman that very much works against you. Yeah. So, yeah. Like I said, most of the Latin teachers I know who've been on are not Kirtaman players. For as much as like the trivia answering questions that recall is the same, there are technical aspects of the game that are really different. And would you say that the technical aspects end up being more the primary concern rather than the knowledge itself. Yeah, it's getting that timing on the, I don't know if anyone's described this to you, but the board, as you see on TV, is not what it looks like in the studio. There's actually a ring of lights around the outside of the board, and those go on when you can buzz in after Alex is done reading the question. And those are activated by a person at the judge's table. So Alex reads the question, he finishes, someone at that table hits a button, that lets you all ring in, the lights go on. But if you wait till the lights go on to ring in, you might be a little late. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the goal is to time it so that you're buzzing in immediately after that person has opened up the system. If you're a little early, you'll be locked out for a few seconds. And you know if you wait a little too long, someone else is gonna get in. So it's, it's a really tricky sort of timing issue. Um, and that's why you always see people like doing this, yeah, hitting the buzzer over and over again. That, that's what they tell you to do, hmm. to just keep just keep hitting the buzzer once, you, once you're going to go in. And really, it's not so much the knowledge that differentiates the people. I mean, they tape, they tape five episodes a day. So you're in the contestant pool with 20 other people. And they're all smart people. And I, you know, ended up being friends with some of the people that I was there at the show with afterwards. I ended up actually playing pub trivia with one of the people I was on the show <laughs> a couple of years afterwards because he ended up in Chicago as well. You know, there was one one woman in the contestant pool with me and she was super, super sweet, very smart, 
had like her family in the audience, her grandmother, and she was like negative at one point. And remember all of us in the contestant pool, because you sit with the other contestants, you don't sit with the rest of the studio audience. We're all sitting there like, oh God, please just, please just get on the board. Don't get knocked out before the before final jeopardy. Like we were all pulling for her just to like get on the board so that, because that would feel really bad right, if you got knocked out before final jeopardy because you, you were negative on points. It's weird. Everyone's smart. Everyone's good at stuff. So some of it's the luck of the draw with the questions and some of it's just the timing on the buzzer. Now, in terms of your interactions personally with Alex Trebek, I would imagine you had, what, five minutes or? Not even. The way Jeopardy works is that if you interact with contestants, you do not have any access to the questions. And if you have access to the questions, you have no interaction with the contestants. And so, you know, everyone shows up that day for who's going, who's in the contestant pool for that day. And they do some warm-up stuff. You actually end up playing as a group two full rounds. They're sort of rotating people in and out. So you get to practice being on the stage and using the buzzer. And, you know, they do all of that. Um, They go through your interview questions because they've had you fill out the sheet of, like, five interesting things about yourself. And and then they'll, like, you know, talk to you about them. Which ones would you prefer to talk about? And then Alex can ask you anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he, he may honor your wishes. He may not if there's something else he'd rather ask you about. Um, and then they put, you know, they put everyone into makeup. And then while you're sort of in the green room doing that, they brought in the studio audience. They've done this whole intro video for the studio audience. They draw three names or two names because you've got the returning champion and two people's names. And they mic you up and you get on stage and everyone else goes and sits in the audience. So the first time as a contestant, you actually see Alex Trebek. You've been in the studio for about three hours. And it's when they announce him when they're taping the first episode. So there's no like, there's no like hang out and chat with Alex time. <laughs> and that's it. Like your interaction is almost entirely what you see on the TV. During one of the commercial breaks, he does questions from the audience. So you get to see some of that interaction. Like I remember someone asked him uh, while I was there, boxers or briefs. Oh, really? And, and his, res- his response was, I've been told that the funny answer is commando. <laughs> <laughs> So he totally like avoided the question. It was kind of funny. Of course. I love that answer. Yeah. And and then uh, during the other commercial break, he'll do pictures with the two new contestants for that episode. And there was, I had a funny moment for mine because you just look at the television camera um, and you know, he comes and stands and like puts his arm around you and you look at the camera. So I'm like, okay, smiling and, and nobody's telling me to stop. So I'm assuming like, okay, I'll just hold until he moves or, you know, someone indicates that we've got the picture. And so I'm just kind of standing there like grinning and he's standing there with his arm around me. And finally the contestant person, Maggie, uh, shouts from like off stage. She's like, Alex, you have to let go of her now. <laughs> and apparently he just been like standing there because he just like wanted to stand there with me. And like, it was just, it was just very funny. I mean, I had a few moments with him that were mostly on camera. One happened during a commercial break. So there are a few, a few stories here. So one was actually during my first interview. I put on my sheet that I had directed plays in Latin. Mm-hmm. So he asked me about it. I was like, yeah, I've directed, you know, honest plays with high school students in Latin. And I was about to say at, you know, the Governor's Latin Academy, when all of a sudden he, he cuts me off with Arma Virum Quecano. Hey. And so I responded, and I swear you could feel the whole room go what you could almost feel that like movement of everyone going oh my gosh what is that and so he turns out to the audience he's like well that was we just shared a 
just a little line of Latin poetry there or something. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking, it was like, this is going to be the best moment. It was like, I just shared a line of Latin poetry with Alex Trebek and this is so cool. <laughs> and he just dropped it out of nowhere. Like, I had no idea. <laughs> I think I had the best response too, which was to finish the line. <laughs> of course, of course. That's what you got to so, do. When yeah, someone so, says force on that hike, you keep going. Yeah, exactly. And I wish and I wish what you can't capture on TV is what the whole audience's like reaction was like in that moment because it was just so tangible in the room. So that was cool. And the episode I won, the final Jeopardy question was, you know, lucky for me, basically like Latin one derivatives question. <laughs> and so I had my answer down really quickly. Like before he was even done reading the question, I like I had it down. And if you, if you ever watch the episode, I've got this, like, during Final Jeopardy, I've got this, like, stupid little smirk on my face. And <laughs> I know I've got it. You're not supposed to do that, but it's hard for me to hide my feelings sometimes. And, you know, I ended up winning. And at the end, when he's, like, coming over and talking to everybody while you're still at your podium, he was like, I looked over it and you weren't writing. And he's like, and I thought, oh, shit, she doesn't know it. And because it was a Latin question, right? And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I was like, I was already done writing. <laughs> But then he had this like concern that like I should get this question and <laughs> didn't look like I was going to. And that was kind of fun. Also, I was just like, oh my God, Alex Trebek just said, oh shit to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like somewhere in my childhood. I'm like, oh, he says that, you know? Yeah. Like seven-year-old Emily, I was really shocked. The other story, and I can't, I think this might've been my second episode. And it was during one of the commercial breaks. And we had an interaction that was, it felt a little more personal because he's, he told me that he had a daughter also named Emily at the time was, I think about 16 and she was also very tall. And he's like, she hates being tall. And I was like, well, yeah, I hated being tall when I was 16 too. It's really tough as a young woman to be tall, especially if you're not an athlete. I was like, but tell her that, you know, it gets better and like guys get over themselves eventually. <laughs> but you know, that was, it was like, a, it felt like a very personal thing that, that he shared and he was just like and I got the impression that he was like I don't really know how to help her like negotiate this and so maybe you know part of what was going on was that maybe on some level I reminded him of his daughter with the same name and I mean I don't know what I don't know if I look like his daughter at all or anything but maybe there was enough there that he you know he felt enough connection to share that with me and I don't think every contestant sort of gets that experience well, it sounds like you had way more interaction with him than most people get. I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe. I have never actually asked other people who've been on the show about that. And this has nothing to do with Alex, but one of my favorite memories was when I lost. And, and when you lose, you've got to decide, do you want to go sit in the studio audience or do you want to leave? And you've got to make that decision. So I decided to leave. The tech guy, their audio guy, was taking my mic off. Right at this point, they're like interviewing the person who won that episode. And he was like, we're going to miss you. I was like, really? Like, you see 20 of us a day when you're taping. And he was like, yeah. He's like, but most people are like that. He gestured to the person being interviewed. He was just being very, like, kind of staid and proper. And he's like, you just had so much, like, you weren't like that. You had all of this energy and, like, everything just comes out of me in, like, big gestures and stuff. And he was like, that was just a lot of fun to have around. That's cool. When, like, the tech guy is like, you're cool. Like, that. <laughs> that, that meant, it's like he didn't have to say a word to me other than yeah let me get your mic off i mean and we're hardcore theater people so we know techie validation is real validation yeah 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 exactly <laughs> but the people who don't have to be nice to you exactly like, exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so like the, the contestant person who was wonderful 
she was so much fun to work with and she made such a like fun environment for everyone but like she has to be nice to everybody like that's that's her job her job is to make you feel comfortable and feel relaxed and feel at home it's not it's not his <laughs> that was, nope. that was uh, ir- irrelevant to alex but but part of what made it a positive experience and even though you know i lost it was it was cool and of course everyone loses like that's it Except for Ken Jennings, who now gets to be Alex Trebek. Yeah, except he still lost, too. Eventually, everybody... Loses. Eventually, he did lose, but he gained something else in the process. Not, not to knock what Ken Jennings accomplished at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, But it helps, it helps you know that, like, everybody loses, right? It helps you yeah. with that when you lose. You're like, I'm not everyone who comes on the show loses it's very true. And I wanted to ask, how long was it before your show came on the air? About two months. What were the reactions from the kids around you, the friends? I mean, mostly positive. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's a very weird experience because like you do the show and you kind of deal with whatever, you go home and your life goes on and then like your show comes up to air and it's weird. Like you've already, you've already, for me, I already sort of processed my experience and like, you know, moved on. And now, now people are finally seeing it and then want to, you know, want to talk about it. So it was just weird, but it was cool. You know, I got messages from all sorts of people and very supportive and positive. One of my siblings gave me some grief over the holidays that year about losing. And like, you know, that was, but that was the majority of the negative. Yeah. In that case. And in, in that case in particular, I finally was just like, how much money do you want on Jeopardy? Like, just go away. Well, sibling rivalries being what yeah. they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people want to, like, rehash the episodes. And how, you know, why didn't you get that question? Do you have to explain the board and how, like, mm. how you end up having to sort of explain how things work a lot over and over and over again. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and, like, I didn't tell tons and tons of people that I was doing the show. I am not good at shameless self-promotion. Because even though I knew that I'd won, I still knew <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I got messages from people who didn't know, who knew me, but didn't know I was on it. One of the most random messages I got was from one of my cousins on my dad's side of the family. And I looked exactly like my dad's sister. And he got a message from one of his cousins on his other side of the family saying, that woman on Jeopardy night, she's, she's, she's your cousin. Like, she's got to be related to you because she looks just like your mom. He was like, yeah, that's my cousin. <laughs> So I thought that was funny. It was like, oh, look, someone who's never met me, uh, you know, can pick out the relationship to my my aunt. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I got this, the weird thing was getting, like, the random friend requests from people on Facebook. From totally- <laughs> some of which were, like, some were messages, some were friend requests, some were, like, creepy as hell. You know, like, some were just like, hey, are you single? No. But one was like, one of the categories I'd had was, uh, it was like a mountain chain. It was called Mountains in Range. And I get this message from this dude, he's like, Mountains in Range, mm, I like geography. And I was just like, ew, like, go away. That had to be all kinds of fun. Yeah, and it was, it was just, it was just not something I expected. And, you know, I have an unusual enough name that, you know, every so often I do Google myself just to see what comes up. and. At some point after the show, one of the first links that came up was to this like car blog thing, like car chat board. And it was like an off topics thread. And there was like some discussion of me on it. Um, and it was, 
positive or negative. It was just weird. Like some people were like, oh, she's hot. And the other people were like, uh, not in a million years, but cruder than that. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, I, I care what you all think. Um, but of course, being a female and going on national television, you automatically open yourself up to that. Yeah. And that was something I wasn't really prepared for. Um, a friend of mine also, and I don't know how, but came across that set of posts as well and he messaged me. He's like, hey, I came across this and I just want you to know that this is out there. And whatever. I was like, yeah, I was like, I've seen it. And that was, that's easy enough to you know, ignore. But I, I appreciate that he was like, so you know this is this this is out there, you know. Um and you know I'm lucky it wasn't sort of on the level worse than it was. Some of the people who messaged me were just like, hey, I'm watching you, you're doing a great job. Congratulations. So some of them were really innocuous. And one of them I'm becoming Facebook friends with because you know he just sent a congratulatory message and maybe asked like a some sort of generic question. We had some back and forth. I think he wanted to know what being on the show was like. And so we had some back and forth about that. And, and then it's sort of the end of that conversation. He's like, could I send you a friend request? I'm like, sure. I am faced with friends with like one random person, but it was because. They were respectful. They and... were respectful and, and like weren't a creep and just, mm-hmm. you know, handled it, handled it how you should. But it is interesting though, that even with something that seems as innocuous as Jeopardy, you are getting yeah. so many immediate solicitations essentially yeah yeah but like 10 minutes into the first episode stuff started popping up that's insane yeah it doesn't help that i have an unusual name i'm easy to find i have the same problem myself but i i no longer try to hide that the way that i used to it's quite okay these days i think i'm not exactly sure though why it is that women's appearances are always the first things that are judged the second they are on screen. Even in a a test that's supposed to be about knowledge, right? The Polaroid is the first thing they clip. Well, they do that for everybody, though. No, I know. But, you know, again, it's how you look on camera. And then... Yeah, a little bit. But that's also... But that, I think, as far as the show is concerned, is true for everybody. Yeah. No, agreed. But then additionally, as a woman, you're then going to be held to different standards. Yeah, and I, but I don't feel like I got that from the show. And I, okay, just I from... Want, I do want to be clear about that. Okay. That, that didn't come from the show at all. Just the skeeziness afterward. Yeah, yeah. Just, just the American public. Yeah. But what did Jeopardy mean to you growing up? You know, I watched it a lot growing up because, you know, I was a nerdy kid and loved trivia and always have... And, I don't know if it meant anything special particularly, but I just, I watched a lot of it. Z was sort of our family, like that was the channel our TV tended to be on in the evenings when I was a kid. Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy were like staples of my childhood. I think they're staples of a lot of American households in their childhood anyway. I know I certainly watched Jeopardy with my family, I think every night growing up for a long while. And I never would have imagined Alex Trebek coming out with icing of arms and a man in In Latin, the opening lines of the Aeneid. That's so cool. It was cool. It was really cool. (laughs) And I was like, please don't let them cut that out of the episode. Please let them leave that in the episode. Uh, And it did make it in. So that was, uh, what's on camera, that's probably my favorite. That's awesome. Even more so than winning. I mean, any airtime that Latin can get is great. Yeah. We always appreciate that. 
Well, what has changed in terms of your thinking about Jeopardy now? How have you reacted since your win and with sort of the era of Jeopardy that has been and has now gone now that Alex Trebek has died? Well, you know, for for me, since I've been on the show, I mean, like I said, I sort of processed that experience and kind of moved on. I mean, when I say fairly quickly. So it's just, it feels like this kind of random trivia thing about my own past. Mm -hmm. So it's not thing I think of much anymore. Although I guess recently, like Netflix announced that they were putting Jeopardy episodes up on Netflix. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. And um, my first thought was, oh God, please don't let them put my episode uh, you know, not that I, but just again, it's like the yeah. way to like rehash it with people is just mm-hmm. weird. It's just weird. And it's not really a thing like that I want to do. You know, it still happens from time to time. And usually, usually the, the prelude to this conversation is so I Googled you. <sighs> and I like, I always know what's coming next. I hate that phrase. Anytime I meet someone new and they say something that starts with, I Googled you, I know it's not going anywhere good. Well, in my case, it's going towards that you were on, were you really on Jeopardy? And and that's not a bad thing. It's just like, yeah, like it's just, it's, I, I don't know. I feel very awkward about that conversation. I still feel very awkward about people just internet searching me when I'm talking to them on the phone for the first time. Well, so it happened, I was doing a play here years ago and I came to rehearsal one night and one of my fellow actors Ross was like I was trying to remember what you taught and I, I couldn't remember so he's like so I googled you and were you really on Jeopardy <laughs> so of course then the whole cast knew yeah like I, like I can't fault him for like using google to try to look me up but it was just it was a you know it was just I knew I just then I have that like oh but like my department a couple years ago was interviewing job candidates and you know I had a one-on-one meeting with all those, with all of them, you know, so I'm chatting with one of them and she, she's like, I was like, I said, do you have any questions for me? And she's like, yeah. She's like, I don't want to seem like you know, weird stalkery, something like that. You were on Jeopardy, weren't you? like, <laughs> yes. She's like, oh, my grandmother is going to be so excited. She watches this show all the time. And I guess, I mean, I guess I'm doing sort of her prep work for her interview had like looked at yeah. the apartment and yeah, so that was the most random, for sure, encounter like that. There are all situations, at least, where people have... I know why people have Googled people. It's a weird conversation, and it's never one that, like, you're anticipating will happen. Right, right. But you're not, like, a regular watcher of the show now, are you? No, I mean, really, like, once I got to college, it was just hard because I was doing theater, so my evenings tended to be really busy. And then in Chicago, it actually comes on in the middle of the day in Chicago. Oh, wow. In the afternoon. So I wasn't. That's kind of impossible. Yeah. It's because central time. Yeah. Yeah. Issues. And so, you know, I just got out of the habit. And then since moving back to like an Eastern time zone, it's now I just find it weird to watch. Yeah. Because uh, for a while, you know, I, w- I wish I had done better. I wish I, you know, had these things gone a little differently, you know. And so a lot of those memories aren't always fun to pull back up which sometimes happens when I'm watching the show, you know, those kind of thoughts. And so that's kind of keeps me from watching now or from, from being like a regular, a regular watcher. And, and I, maybe I'm also at the point now where I'd like, I'd rather be playing trivia than watching other people play it. And that, you know, wasn't true so much when I was a kid, but 
Um, that's probably something that shifted when I was a teenager as well and started playing sort of trivia games. It's like I'd much rather be doing it than watching other people do it. Hence the pub trivia as yeah. an outlet too. Yeah. That's cool. So I have one last question, which is, what are your thoughts on Ken Jennings taking over the role? Do you have any expectations or any thoughts or advice that you would give him if you could um, talk to him right now? <laughs> I'll arm wrestle you for it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have strong feelings about who I think should take over in the end. I mean, several of my friends have been like, you should do it. Like, you think you have a personality and you hey guys, it's not going to happen. <laughs> like, they're, like, that's just not going to happen. You know, I really haven't seen much of Ken Jennings. He's someone I know primarily through like articles and written text. Um, so I have no idea how he'll do as a host. You know, and Alex Trebek very much had a sort of thing, like a je ne sais quoi vibe about him. I don't even know that I could articulate what exactly that was. And, and maybe it's just partly having sort of grown up with him on that show. So it's quite possible that you know, Ken Jennings will have that as well. I mean, the name that's been tossed around that I kind of lean towards is LeVar Burton. Mm, yeah. But then again, I also grew up on reading Rainbow with LeVar Burton. Like he also has this really meaningful place in my childhood and he's got I find him to have a very like soothing voice. And he's also Jordy LaForge, man. Okay, see, so. but I didn't watch Star Trek, so. Oh, man. My childhood was all about TNG and reading Rainbow. So so he's got that like wonderful voice that's, that's calming without, it's not like it's monotone or boring. It's just, it feels authoritative and soothing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and I, yeah, I have, only positive memories from my childhood of, of reading Rainbow. For that reason alone, like LeVar Burton is like, it can't be me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be LeVar Burton. But, but, you know, I, this is not to say that Ken Jennings couldn't do a fine job. I just don't, like, I have no idea what he'll be like as the host. You know, and I'm really, I'm really impressed that Alex Trebek was able to record as long as he did. Yeah. That, that's surprising. Um, given how sick he probably was. And, you know, when he when he announced that he was sick and announced the cancer diagnosis, you know, I was, I thought, okay, well, I mean, this is it. You know, that's not a cancer that that is kind. No. no. Um, and so that was, you know, I think he did, I think, much better than I expected. Like, I expected it to be over very quickly. Mm-hmm. And not, not to be callous, so I, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed that he was able to, to go as long as he was and given how much he was probably going through. I mean, I think that's just something about what the show meant to him. Yeah. To be able to keep doing it. And that that bond, if you will, between like host and audience was very meaningful both for the show and for him. Mm-hmm. Those were just big shoes for anybody to step into. So I think what I, like, I think what they should try to do is I think they should try a few people out yeah, and see, you know, who clicks and who, who resonates. And, yeah. Um, because it'd be a lot to ask anyone to just step into that role and you can't, like, you can't find another Alex Trebek. No, you absolutely can't. You know, you'll have to find someone who will be good in their own way and in their own sort of element. Um, 
and, and give them the chance to find their groove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weirdly now I want to make like a comparison to like changing hosts on the daily show. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that kind of comparison yeah. because that was a huge move because so many people had sort of embraced Jon Stewart as a figure. And so to transition to someone completely different. Well, and see, and I say this as someone who started watching The Daily Show under Craig Kilmore. Wow. So I've, I've been through the whole, like, you know. Wow, you've been through the whole progression. And everyone, they, like, Craig Kilmore was leaving. And it was like, this Jon Stewart guy they're bringing in. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember when my friends in college was like, you know, I've seen some of the promo spots are doing for it. It looks like he might be pretty good. Looks like he, he think he's going to be okay. My freshman roommate and I actually took a trip to New York City specifically to go to a taping of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and specifically also to see Stephen Colbert, who was doing a segment that night. And they both were very, very accommodating and nice to us and made fun of us during the warm up act. And yeah. Yeah, no, no warm-up acts on Jeopardy. <laughs> One of the, this is just another really cool moment um, because I won, the episode one was the last taping of the day. And so, like, I actually, I feel like got really lucky because I got to spend a whole night as, like, a Jeopardy champion, right? It wasn't like, okay, turn around, you know, record the next episode and you've lost, you know? So I got to, like, I had got, I got to be on that high for a really long time, which was really cool. And my husband had come out with me, so he'd been in the audience. And uh, we were waiting afterwards for a cab to go back to the hotel. And so we're just standing in like the parking garage <laughs> and people from the studio audience are leaving. And this car goes by with at least one little girl, it might've been two little girls, I don't remember, in the back seat. And they were like waving at me and like shouting at the window. They're like, we were cheering for you. We're so glad you won. Like, it was just so cool like Aww. to get that experience. And most, and, like most people who went on Jeopardy don't, don't get that. I hope like for those little girls, maybe they're like, I can do this too. And it's okay to be smart and, you know, and all of that. And it was more like maybe in some semblance of happy role model. I think it's wonderful. And I think the more female role models we have who are smart and out there doing their thing, the better. It's so wonderful that I had you as my role model when I was in Latin Academy once upon so a time. Long ago. <laughs> yeah, so long ago. And then I got to play your father-in-law on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting. Say love you. But it takes funny turns. It does. It does. <laughs> it's very true. Thank you for listening. Before I go any further, I would ask my listeners to reflect on the history of the land that they sit upon now. I record this podcast on the site of lands stolen from the Manahoac people. I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that also reside in Virginia and have made innumerable contributions to our region. I am grateful to work on this land. I acknowledge these facts in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. In our upcoming episodes, we will be speaking with Indigenous and Latinx creators in the comics industry before we start our rounds of the festival circuit with coverage of the Sundance Film Festival. Before I go now, please take 30 seconds 
to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Podchaser. Doesn't have to be anything fancy, just a simple, hey, I like it, is totally good enough. And let us know your thoughts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where we are at Omnibus Ride. These things mean a lot to us and help support the content you love. And we know you love it because uh, you're listening to it right now. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch.